0: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the four string sports, uh, lunch hour podcast. I mean, um, we are here on uh, happy star Wars day. Everybody may the fourth be with you. Um, but we are here to talk about NBA round two of the playoffs. Previous episode, we talked about round one. We have our listener question that we're finally going to get to about the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, But we're going to uh, just kind of talk about game one through game two, respectively, of the individual uh, Eastern and Western Conference semifinals and our predictions for how we think the rest of these matchups are going to go down the line, um, as well as that listener question. Uh, We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Follow us on everything. Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, um, uh, 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 Google Podcasts, uh, Radio Now. Um, and email us your guys' thoughts at fourth stringSP gmail.com um, uh, to our listener jB we're finally jamie we're finally getting to your question we appreciate you lo- uh, tuning in um if you have any other uh shoot them at us we'll be we'll be happy to, to read them off and debate them but uh, we talked about the uh, initial reaction to the first round of the uh, Nba playoffs there now we're moving on to the second round let's start where we started last time let's head out to the west where we have the One-seeded overall, uh, Phoenix Suns taking on the four-seed Dallas Mavericks. Now, Phoenix won the first game, 121-114. to Game two is tonight after Sixers' heat is over. Um, So, looking at game one, sorry, so looking at game one there, uh, what was your guys' kind of reaction to it, and what's your prediction for how the rest of the series is going to
1: play out? Yeah, I um, feel like game one, I wasn't really, you know, surprised. I mean, it was a nice story of like, you know, Jalen Brunson coming about and helping them beat the Jazz. But as we've seen the past couple of years, that's really not a braggable feat. Um, and I think it's just a, a team that got lucky with the first round seating and a team like the Jazz finally going against a good team. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be a sweep just because as we saw in the first round, like only one team was able to get a sweep. So um I'll say that the Suns win in five.
0: So do you think is there anything to you that the Mavs can do? Like outside of like terrible officiating or or bad injury? Is there anything to you the Mavs can do to win this series?
1: Um I mean, outside of getting Scott Foster to do every single game in the series. um, No, I I just don't think, I don't think they're they're, they're there yet. Like, look, obviously one of the best young players in the NBA. Jalen Brunson has come on. Hopefully he's able to uh, continue to do that. Um, But I just still think they're a couple pieces away from being true contenders. So I don't think this year is their year to make a deep playoff run.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh, for me, looking at game one, it's kind of like that. Uh, what we were able to see for the ja- what they were able to for the maps so they were able to do the Jazz. They had a lot of their role players come in, but it's almost the opposite <laughs> uh, for this one. I mean, you have Finney Smith and Brunson with uh, Finney Smith, Brunson, and Cle- and Kleber with you know uh ov- over double digits, but the rest of it's Luca, forty five points. Um, that's like a third of your total points that's that's not good I look at I look at through the quarters uh I mean uh down by 10 in the first quarter like they 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 didn't win a quarter until the fourth quarter um where they got 10 points and by then it's already kind of you know you're down by 18 how much are you actually going to do um but like for this like eight, you're seeing like the defense of the Suns play very well um they're forcing them to go outside and shoot um the the Mavs aren't aren't shooting bad percentages 47 from the court 41 from beyond the three point arc. Um, but it's like, they just couldn't get consistent scoring. And, and the, I, the, the Suns are just the better team in terms of, um, in, in terms of, of what they're doing. We look at a total assists uh, for the Mavs only 16 Phoenix Suns, 27, um, right around each other with total turnovers. Um, but the Suns, like six blocks um, fast break points were kind of even uh, fouls are kind of even. So when you have all these things that are, that are, are really even, and then you look at rebounds, you look at assists, those extra passes that you're able to get. So it's not just Devin Booker taking the three. Um, it's not just Chris Paul. That's, that's taking, I mean, De- Deandre Aiden was their leader in points in 25. Um, you, you had 25. Yeah. 25 from eight uh, from an 23 from Booker. Um, you had uh 13 from bridges all of their starters scored over 10 points so that that goes great J- jameson Crow- or uh, jay crowder sorry um the same thing brady did uh jay crowder <laughs> uh, yeah uh, went three for five from three point like from three point like they shot 40 percent from three but they hit 50 percent of their shots in total like that's awesome it's it shows that like when you have those guys i mean i think uh johnson getting 17 was big boost off the bench um, those are important minutes. Those are things that you need. And when you don't have Luca on the field, who's going like we saw, it, like you're able to you're able to do a gentleman's sweep with a jazz. Um you need you need uh you you need that kind of when Luca's not on the court, how are you guys gonna play? And 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 this time it was a reverse of fortune and it's because I have to give it to the Suns defense. Um I think that I think the Suns do win this and I do think that it can be a, a sweep. Um, because I because I, I don't see how I don't see how you're able to there's center, there's no front court for this Mavs team that can go up against Aiton, that can go up against Crowder, that can go up against Johnson, that can go up against these these wing players. Like you don't have a wing for for uh uh for the mavs that can compete with the wings that you have. So like, yeah, you can have Luke. like Lucas probably one of your better defenders too. So like you can't like if he's guarding Booker, then you know, then uh uh cp goes off if you he's guarding cp then booker goes off if you're guarding either one of them deandre Ann's probably gonna put up 25 and ele- get, going to get you a double double like it's mm. i, can, I there, there's there's too many weapons for the sun's team and there's not enough defense for this Mavs team um where it's you like you, you like their center can actually score um so that's so i i can i i'm gonna go Suns in four. i i think i think it can be a sweep i think the suns ride the ship against uh um against the Pelicans and the Pelicans had a much more variety in terms of their scoring than than the Mavs do.
0: So I'm gonna go Suns and four. You're gonna go Suns and four. Um, and just for clarification, um, the, the Mavs won in six. It was not a gentleman's sweep. Um, just because I don't want to piss off any jazz fans any further than they're already pissed off. Um, so here's here's what I'll say. It's almost like uh, Jay Crowder listened to the show I haven't posted yet. Which is, which is if you look at his game in game one, it's exactly what I said we needed to see out of Jay Crowder. I didn't need 20 points. I needed about 12 points. He picked up 11. I needed him to shoot about 60% from the field. He went four of six from the field, three of five from the three-point line. And I needed more than five rebounds and around five assists. And I got eight rebounds and three assists. Like that, that is when you've already got all-stars, when you've got CP3, when you got Devin Booker, when you got DeAndre Ayton, what I need from the other uh, nine guys that are going to be playing is I just need statistics right around there. What I love about this Suns team is all of those role players that Skyler brought up, right? Crowder had 11. Mikel Bridges had 13. Uh, 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 Johnson had 17. JaVale McGee, who had actually a, a criminally underrated game, had – had four points Cameron Payne had nine points right you got solid minutes but all of those guys that I mentioned fill up the rest of the stat sheet Uh, Crowder eight rebounds three assists Uh, Bridges seven rebounds four assists Johnson five rebounds one assist McGee three rebounds two assists Payne three rebounds five assists like they're filling up the stat sheet across the board, and that's what the Suns do so well, is that they dish, they get guys running, they, they, they draw in fouls on defense, they play aggressive, but they play at their own pace. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about basketball, is watching teams play at the pace that they are comfortable playing. And I think another beautiful example is what we saw to the Celtics in game two against the Bucs, and, and we'll talk about that in a second here. Um, I don't think this is going to be a, a clean sweep. And I don't think that this is going to be in five. I think I'm going to take the Suns in six here, but there is things that I like about what the Mavs did. All right. First off, Luka Doncic, 45 points, please, dear Christ, get this guy some help. Like, honestly, please just get him any type of help because if Luka Doncic has a bit of help, just a bit of help, he could very easily power this Mavs team to a championship. And I'm, I'm not joking on that, but what I liked was the. Um, uh, what I liked was that the the Mavs compared to the Suns did not shoot well. Right, the Suns have shot fifty percent or more from the field in every single playoff game so far. All six against the Pelicans, and this one game. That's that's insane. Over 50% from the field, but the Mavs kept it going. They kept, they went tit for tat with the Suns throughout the entirety of that game, and it really wasn't until some clean, uh, some key moments, some missed, missed shots, that the Suns were able to pull far enough ahead that you were able to slap a sticker on it and call it done. You had not great shooting performances out of guys like Jalen Bruns. Six of six, uh, 16 from the field only took one three-point line. Reggie Bullock, two of seven from the field. All of his shots came from the three-point line. Dorian Finney-Smith, five of ten from the field, two of six from the three-point line. Those are just your starters. Maxi Kleber had a great game, but Maxi Kleber can only shoot in this game. He can't get a rebound. He's not going to get a rebound against DeAndre. It's just not going to fucking happen. What I like about the Suns is that despite the struggling shooting, despite the fact that they went um, – 47% from the field that they gave up as many points as they did that the sun shot as well as they did. This is realistically a, what two, three possession basketball game, seven points is a, is a fast break two and a, and a, and a, and a missed shot on the other end away from being a competitive game or going into overtime. Like despite all that adversity that they faced throughout the entirety of the game and a solid game played by the suns, the Mavs were able to hang in there. The reason I think the Mavs are going to be able to – or the way I think the Mavs can win two games here is very simple. Attack DeAndre Ayton. This guy had 25 points, 12 rebounds, and how many fouls on the game, gentlemen? One. Have your game plan be that Luka Doncic attacks, attacks, attacks. Kick, get DeAndre Ayton out of the game. Get him into foul trouble. If you do that and the Suns can't rely on their big men, then it's a who is more consistent from outside the arc. It's who can get their shots inside the, the jumper lane. It's who can drive. And with, and that type of basketball game is a basketball game the Mavs want to play. Attack DeAndre Ayton. It's, it's going to be feast or famine. There's no doubt about it. It's the same strategy as attacking Giannis or attacking Joel Embiid. Sometimes it's going to work out really well, and sometimes it's going to bite you in the ass. But Luka Doncic has 45 points. If he attacks the inside, if you can get him into Aiton and you can get Aiton into foul trouble, the Mavs have a solid shot at winning not only a couple of games in the series, but if Luka Doncic can go off for 45 points in almost in close to any of the games of this series, the Mavs have a serious shot at giving the the Suns a run for their money.
2: Okay, but I have a question for you, Brady. Who, Who steps up? Who steps up and is that second scorer? Who is that person? Because it's not like
0: oh for the maps.
2: Um, yeah, because because like because what I'm saying is again, it's like your best player is not your top scorer in this game. Like your best player is not your top scorer, and 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 uh, for the Suns, like, oh gotcha. Like Booker is not your top scorer. You're right. Quick, Chris Paul is not your top scorer. Like you're you're getting you have what six or seven players with over double digits in, in scoring. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like the Mavs don't have the perimeter def-
0: defense to 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 guard that. They don't. They do if they're able to get DeAndre Ayton out of the game.
2: Okay, right? but but De- then, now, but, but doesn't that require? But doesn't that require the ability to drop? So so to get Ayton mm-hmm. to to foul him out, mm-hmm. that requires, or
0: just get him into foul trouble. Just get him get him, on the get,
2: bench. Get, get 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 him into foul trouble. Okay, that requires. The ability to get to the lane Mm -hmm. get in the lane be Mm -hmm. physical with a son's team and get past their perimeter defenders correct yeah okay they can't do that
0: they absolutely can do that and there's key ways ways that
2: they can do that number okay but okay so so so, okay so if you're Mm luca if you're luca who is obviously their best ball handler and obviously their best facilitator Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I don't want to take this for long, but I, I, this is just my no, main no. point. No, go yeah, ahead. Okay. Take his He's best, best facilitator and best and best driver. Okay. He is going to face the best perimeter defender that the Suns have every single time. Mm-hmm. Who is Chris Paul?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Chris Paul can play physical with you. And Chris Paul is probably one of the most intelligent basketball players in the game in the game right now. Okay. So so so, how do you get past Chris Paul to then get, draw the foul against Aiden? And Aiden is not a dumb player either. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he only had one foul. What do we have? To, what is his average? What is his average foul? Uh, if you like, give me a second, I can I can look it up. Like if you yeah, if you can find that for me, I'd really appreciate
0: it. Um, DeAndre Aiden averages uh, this season. He averages about two and a half fouls per game. Okay. That's, that's amazing mm-hmm. for a big, and oh, how many games did he,
2: how many games did he play this season? Uh, this season he played uh, 58. 58. Okay. So, and so that's like right around hundred fouls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that's amazing for a big. So mm-hmm. like, I, like, I agree with, I agree with your strategy, but I don't think this is a team that it works with.
0: I think that this absolutely is a team that it works with. Let me give you a couple of reasons why. First off, Chris Paul, as you stated, best perimeter defender, guarded Luka for a huge part of that game and how many points did Luka Doncic have on it? 45. 45. Like who else scored? Four, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Luka Doncic had 45 points. How only tw- only 12 oh. of his points came from the three-point line. Luka Doncic shot 4 of 12, or sorry, 4 of 11 from the three-point line, shot 11 of 19 from the rest of the field. And your question about assists, he had 8. Um, led the team. There's a couple of ways that you can attack DeAndre Ayton, and there's a couple of weaknesses with DeAndre Ayton. First off, DeAndre Ayton last year averaged how many blocks per game? Anybody? Anybody? I'll tell you. 0.7. He averaged how many steals per game? Anybody? Anybody? I'll tell you. 1.2. All right? So DeAndre Ayton is not a defending big man. DeAndre Ayton is a rebounding big man. The reason DeAndre Ayton doesn't have so many fouls called on him is because DeAndre Ayton doesn't play solid defense around the rim. I watched Chris Paul get cooked by Luka Doncic in that game. If Luka were to focus his attacks, if the Mavs were to focus their attacks, first focus their attacks on DeAndre Ayton when they're running their half-court offense, run the pick pick and roll against Chris Paul. As Doncic is coming down, have him go right downhill at DeAndre Ayton. Go right to the basket you can get deandre i know waffles is right here you can get deandre Ayton into foul trouble or or because he's not a solid on ball defender because he's not a good defender around the rim there you can get your shots at the rim that you want the second way the Mavs can do this and this is exactly the type of game that the suns don't want to play is they have to win in transition if you get into transition where Luka Doncic, where your shooters are able to get to their lines, are able to get to their spots, where the defense isn't able to get set, and then you attack DeAndre Ayton, and then you can pitch it out, and then you can get him into the foul trouble. It's it, like that's the only path forward for the Maps, and yeah, it involves other people having to step up. There's no doubt about that. But to go right back to my initial point, we sit here and say that nobody else on the map stepped up, and yet they only lost by seven points. You attack, you attack DeAndre Ayton, and there is a path to victory. I'm not saying that it's a solid one, and I'm not saying that it's one that can be executed because it requires DeAndre Ayton to commit the fouls. That's a huge portion of that. I'll cede that to you. But the only way forward that I see for the Mavs is to attack DeAndre Ayton on, on the defense there. That's that's the only path forward that I can see for them to win because you're not going to get solid, consistent shooting out of Jalen Brunson or out of Dorian Finney-Smith or out of Reggie Bullock. You're just not going to get it. But if you can attack the lane and you attack Ayton, the Suns are going to have to send help. And that's where you get your shots on the perimeter that you want. That's where a team like the Mavs, who, if I'm not mistaken, had the best three-point shooting percentage in the first round of the playoffs. That's where – or, sorry, their defense had the best – uh, 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 three point defense in the playoffs. I apologize for that, yeah. but if you can attack it and you can dish to the outside, you can get those shots for Brunson, or he can drive the lane. You can get those shots for Finney Smith. You can get those shots for Reggie Bullock. You can get those shots for Maxi Kleber. There's a path forward for the Maps, but it it involves them having to play a hyper aggressive form of offense, and unfortunately, yeah. that's not the thing that Jason Kidd likes to play.
2: Okay, but Brady, Brady, I have to point out to you. Okay, so so. Uh, the Mavs shot forty for eighty-five, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, sixteen for thirty-nine from the three-point. They shot, they squ- they got five more threes than the Suns did, mm-hmm. and they shot eleven more than the Suns did. Yeah. Okay, but here's and here's they, the thing. No, no, no. any team one second, had forty-one percent
0: shooting from the three-point line in a playoff game. That's almost that's a that's a pretty close it, to uh, a chalked-up W. But,
2: but Brady, 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 you're not letting me finish my point. Okay, <laughs> love you, love you. Okay, they shot they shot eleven more and only made five more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um 41%, you're right. And amazing. Okay. Go to the go to the foul line. Okay. 18 for 25, 72%. Not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Not great, but not bad. Okay. T- turnovers right there with them. Nine for 10. Well, your difference Fast, in the points is points, right there at the foul. Points, line. 18
0: to 25 points, compared to 18 off, for 18.
2: Po- wait, one sec. Points off turnovers: 10, 10, 10 to 12. Fast rank points: 12 to 11. Points in the paint even: 44 to 38. They out, they shot more threes and made more threes, and they scored more points in the paint, but they mm-hmm. still lost.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Why because did they this, lose?
0: There's this weird concept. They're in not sports.
2: efficient. They so, are not efficient. They are go, not smart. They are not. No, but but no, I, you're, I get,
0: you're, you're correct. But the path okay. forward to victory is a targeted offense, not a general one.
2: But Brady, Brady, what I'm telling you is if you're OK, so if you're already going into a general offense, your your offense that you're calling for a targeted offense mm-hmm. requires on very intelligent and efficient kind of playmaking from this Maps team. It requires intelligent and efficient. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is what the Celtics did amazingly last night. Mm-hmm. This team doesn't work like that.
0: Which is exactly why I said that this strategy is feast, is not going is to feast, work. Is feast or famine is
2: not going to work for this team because that's not what they like to do, Brady?
0: But it's what they're going to have to do to. Then they're win. going
2: to lose in four. I...
0: We'll, mo- we'll We'll move on here. We'll move okay. on here. So. Well, uh, let's move on to our other game in the, uh, in the West here where the uh, two-seeded uh, Grizzlies took on the three-seeded Warriors and the Warriors stole game one in Memphis. However, the Grizzlies followed it up with a game two win to even the series up on Tuesday night. So, gentlemen, what were your thoughts through the first two games? Game one ended on that uh, was amazing. John Morant is a missed layup away from the Grizzlies having a 2-0 series lead on here. Game two? aggressive, uh, filled with flagrant fouls and storylines. Um, but the Grizzlies pull out a five point win against a team that, that I think for everybody, including ourselves is, is favorited to win this series pretty heavily. So what were your thoughts on the first two games and what's your prediction for the rest of the series?
1: I'm just wondering which player the Warriors are going to lose in game three. I mean, game one, you know, Deandre green, Draymond green gets the, you know, the flagrant two, which is a little questionable, but they're still able to pull off the win. And then, of course, Gary Payton gets hurt and is out for the rest of the game on a very dirty play. So I'm just wondering who they're going to lose in game three, because that seems to be the trend. Um, but yeah, John Morant went, was amazing last night, scoring 47 points. Uh, I think the statistic is like only Kobe and LeBron have been able to score that many points at like his age point.
2: MJ also, um, I think
1: so. MJ too. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was worried for Memphis just because of that starting lineup that the Warriors had. I was like, I don't know if Memphis can do it. Um, you know, they're a very young team like Skyler pointed out in our last episode. So I was unsure but they were able to do it and, um, even up the series at home. Um, but unfortunately it's still going to go with the uh, Warriors and six. Um, like some key reasons for that is, one, the Grizzlies have the second-worst three-point defense in the playoffs. And when you have shooters like Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and now Jordan Poole, it's going to be hard to be able to uh, defend that. Um, and with Dylan Brooks, uh, you know, there's talk maybe he gets suspended for game three. If that happens, I think that's going to hurt them a lot. So I'm going to roll with the Warriors and six.
2: Yeah um I made my prediction before that I was going to take warriors and 6 I'm sticking with warriors and 6 and there's a couple of key reasons for that um one is even with Gary Payne Jr out probably for the series because of the fracture in his elbow I believe so yeah which I've had before that fucking hurts y'all um I I did mind slipping on carpet so I I don't I don't know if we can get the carpet slipping on rip. carpet yeah.
0: Did Freddy you, do you not remember saying?
2: that story? <laughs> no,
0: I don't remember. Well th- we can talk was, about it. After I was in the third
2: show. grade. I was in third grade. We'll tell it after. You thought show. you were we gay. Time. Anyway. Uh no, no. I, in third grade.
1: I can't change. Third grade. I, said, I, I was in
2: third grade. I no, we get it, together. We get it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, uh, but for a couple of key reasons. Even though Gary Payne Jr. is out. For most likely the series and maybe the playoffs. We don't we don't know how severe his uh severe the injury is. He's getting his MRI later. Um uh Golden State shot from shot 18% from three last night. That's not gonna happen a lot. Uh with Clay, Poole, uh, Steph, Draymond, those guys, that's not gonna happen a lot. And it's still required, even with them shooting 18% from three, it's still required 47 points from John ja Morant for them to win. It's a very similar kind of situation that we're seeing with the maps, um, where it's, you. yeah, John ja Morant is good enough to win you a game or two in a series, um, but you need those role players to step up. And when your role players are complaining about how Draymond Green likes to play dirty, and then, you know, breaking a guy's elbow in the second game um, for very much a deserved flagrant two, whereas you can look at Draymond's ad- debate on whether it was a flagrant one or a flagrant two. It was a flagrant foul. We can all agree. But like that that's part of it. It's 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 also looking at like these statistics. Like they they the even with only shooting 18%, they still shot 42% from the field. Uh uh the the warriors did um they out rebounded the Grizz they got more assists than the Grizz um the the thing that killed them really was the third the the Grizzlies had 13 steals that was the thing that killed them so they but even then um golden State only had five more turnovers than they did so so even with the Grizzlies playing amazing defense um they they barely out, they, they barely got more uh, turnovers and they still didn't get more points off of those turnovers um, with G- golden state getting 15 to 10. Um, the fast break points is kind of where the Grizzlies Grizzlies got the upper hand was in the fast break, um, but points in the paint warriors got 60 points. We're seeing this. They, they had less fouls than them. Um, the warriors are going to continue to play their game. We saw that if you look at the stats in each game or in each quarter, um, golden state t- scored 25, 26, 26, 24 whereas grizzlies were 33 23 21 29 um they were all over the field all over the court um with their kind of scoring and and then they were erratic in what was happening when John morant wasn't on the court we saw that their offense went down um whereas when because of the rotation that Steve Kerr is, is electing to go with, with the Warriors, there's never really a time where there isn't a scorer on the field. There isn't a facilitator on the field. Um, You can have a, st- like you can have the the PTSD lineup, which is still the best name of a lineup in, in, in the history of basketball, or you can have just a Steph Thompson lineup. You can have a Draymond pool lineup. You can mix and match, figure out what works for you. Um, but the fact that there isn't true kind of, uh, there isn't really a true, um, there isn't a number two for for uh, the Grizzlies in terms of scoring. Like you can look at, you know, Brooks is a great player, but he he whether or not he's going to be able to stay on the court is a different is a different issue. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great player. Um, but can he can he score in the way that you need him to? Um, like you need somebody to step up. Whereas where the the, the Warriors have that, and they were able to steal a game at in memphis which is huge because now you have to play three more games in the oracle um in the next like you're going chase, to a game. at the
0: chase center
2: sorry the chase center sorry not the or i missed the or the oracle just has such a i miss miller to park it. you know <laughs>
0: hey
2: you know what they moved the city so that's kind of it's a little different chase chase the chase oracle or the oracle arena is still around yeah chase, the the miller park isn't um or is it i don't know um no
0: they just they just changed the name it's like american family field now or some shit like okay
2: that. um but the or the chase center god damn it um the chase center that you have to play the next two games there Where which at the in chase of course yeah at the <laughs> <Chase Center>. um, <laughs> listeners i'd like i just like to remind you that when i'm talking brady results to very childish <laughs> childish insults because he can't come at my points yeah. um but like you have to play two games there the next two games there and and the warriors have kind of made it a fortress in the last and under the steve care era so that's gonna be really really hard there's also a couple days for them to rest to recuperate look at the, the tape and see what they did wrong and fix and fix their lineup steve kerr is one of the best coaches in basketball history honestly um a lot of people uh, think that uh, he was just given something by Mike Jackson, and then that's what he turned it. Into. No, Steve Kerr has done amazing work by himself, um, and we're able to see kind of what he can continue to do. Um, we'll we'll see what happens, um, but I'm going to stick with
0: Warriors and six. Warriors and six. All right, so uh, game one. <sighs> was way closer than I expected. Like walking into this series after watching the Warriors, I I genuinely believe that this series was going to be like Warriors in in five, really. Um, I'm going to still stick with my Warriors prediction, but I think this Memphis team has more fight that we're giving them credit for. I'm going to say Warriors in seven. I'm going to say that Memphis goes toe-to-toe, and here's why. Game two – or sorry, game one. You are a layup away from winning. That's it. That's as that's as simple as that game got. You are a layup away from winning, and John Morant, even right after he missed the shot, realized, "Damn, I, I was that like I was that close. I can't believe I missed that." He makes that shot a hundred times out of a hundred in practice, but in the game he couldn't pull it off. Warriors barely win with their PTSD lineup. Right, very next game, second best player on the Grizzlies, Desmond Bain, goes out three minutes into the game with that foul. And yet the Grizzlies still are able to win. And what's so funny is that, unlike what Skyler was talking about with the with the maps, let's look at everybody else besides John Morant scoring for the Grizzlies: twelve points out of Jaron Jackson Jr., ten points out of Brandon Clark, fourteen points out of whoever Z- Zaire Williams, and not another player in double digits. But the Grizzlies won. Why? Because Ja Morant went to the fucking hoop because he understood what the weakness of this Warriors team is. Unlike the weakness of the Suns in which I'm talking about the Mavs attacking to strength, the weakness of this Warriors team is the fact that Draymond Green is a great defender and a great rebounder, but he's only six foot six attack the rim get to your spot, get up in the air and, and, and put, put the fucking ball in the basket. And that's that like, that's ultimately the difference. The Grizzlies did that without their second best player. And with John Morant putting up 47 points, despite again, not shooting fantastically from the three point line, five of 12 was very good. No doubt about that. But as a team, they shot 31.1% from the three point line. Now, granted, the warrior. I don't think that, that Steph and clay are going to go a combined five of 23 from the three point line, maybe ever again, but the the Grizzlies caught a breaker. Skyler brings up a very good point, which is that the goal of this series, this is the same thing I'm going to bring up with the Bucks Celtics. The goal of the first part of this series is for the road team to steal a game. And the warriors were able to do that. Now, if both teams win their respective home games, this series ends warriors and six, there's no right. But what I've seen out of the Grizzlies this entire postseason is despite any setbacks, they put their nose down and they figure out how to get the fucking job done. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the Warriors. I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to take uh, Steph and clay and knock them out of the playoffs, but this is a Grizzlies team that has found a way to will themselves to success and will themselves to victory. Take note, Utah. Um, I'm going to take Grizzlies in, or sorry, Warriors in seven. Let's, head over to the east. We'll start with the 1-4 matchup where on uh, Monday, uh, the Heat took on the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, without Joel Embiid, um, has both a concussion and a right orbital fracture, though it is expected he's going to be back for game three. Hold on. There's thoughts that he might be back for game three uh, in Philadelphia, but I don't believe anything has been confirmed yet. Um, Game one went completely to the Heat. Uh, the uh, 76ers able to hold on for a while um, and then fell apart. And right now game two is going on at the moment here with the heat on top 73 or sorry, seventy-eight to 63. Uh, Mitch, uh, what were your thoughts on heat Sixers and how do you see the rest of the series playing out?
1: I mean, it was a Sixers team without Joel Embiid. Was anybody expecting a different results? I mean, I think it went exactly how it was going to go. Um, but for the rest of the series, Unfortunately, I think it's gonna be Heat and five. Um, I think that with the injury issues that the Heat also have, you know, Kyle Lowry missed uh, you know Game One and games with the last series as well as Jimmy Butler. So if that comes up again, I think Harden and Max are talented enough for them to get one game. But I just think it's hard for them to win a series uh, with Joel Embiid with the fractured orbital socket. And on top of that, don't forget, he already has another injury um, in his hand. And for him to go against a physical defense like the Heat are, um, I think that's just putting way too much on him. And I just don't see them winning this series, just given how banged up Joel Embiid is. And um, just not having a lot of confidence outside of the big three in Philly. So I'm going to go with Heat in five. Um
2: uh this is rough for me um uh I, I mean it it's i i he's never gonna win the series it's just i can't decide in, in how many games um it's just kind of my like, um because i'm looking at the stats and it's kind of like okay um he shot marginally better from the field um they uh, shot not great from the three point line pretty good from the free throw line i rebounded him pretty well got some pretty good assists um created some turnovers things like that did did, did what he do um but it kind of goes back to like that box car and it's okay so tobias harris got you 27 Axi got you 19 james harden got you 16 okay nice and then the next leading scorer was cork with nine okay um Okay, so if a bead, if if Embiid gets back he's going to average what like 20 10 and
0: uh oh, he's and, a scoring champ he's going to average 30 and 15 and have with 25, a, with an, 25 with step orbital, back threes
2: with an orbital but, fracture coming off a concussion
0: I don't think and, he's going to average 20 but he'll probably I mean he'll probably put up like 25 and 12 or he'll probably okay. have very deandre ayton like numbers
2: Okay so 25 12 okay Okay I can see that. Um, but when he comes back, then you diminish some of the minutes of some other guys, the role guys. And that doesn't like, there's still like, okay, your starting court's going to do great. Like, awesome. <laughs> but this is an injured, injured Joel Embiid that now has to go up against one of the most physical, physical, young, healthy centers in the league. And I'm out of bio. Okay. I don't see it working for him. I really don't. Um, I, 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 ooh, that's rough. Um, Gary Payne out three to five weeks. That's yep. rough. Um, sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh like that. Like, I really don't like Joel Embiid. I've really never liked the guy. He's my uh, uh cat. Um, I just don't <laughs> like the guy. He talks a lot of shit. Um, I can give him his work ethic. His work ethic is amazing. You know, every single time he can, he's gonna be on that court. Um, but there are just so many deficiencies with the Sixers team. Um, because I don't think that this team can, because like <laughs> with the Heat, you can have like the two leading scorers for the Heat in game one was uh, Tyler Hero and of Adebayo, both at 25. Um, and then everybody else was right around 10. And that's all you really need from them. You need 10 from, you know, six, seven guys. And that's 60, 70 points right there. You got it. You're good. Nice. Um, and then you... <laughs> <laughs> And then you get, but you get 25 from somebody and it's kind of the same kind of problem that you had with, you have with the Mavs and you have with, you know, the, the Grizzlies when, when those key guys are off, who, who's scoring for you? Cause for the heat, there's always a scorer on the court. Like you take, okay, Jimmy Butler's gone now, but you have, um, now Tyler Hero's up and he's going to put 25, six, six man of the year averaging 25 25- points had eight 30 point games um and he's just going to continue to play better play just as good you're going to get um kyle lowry is going to come in and put 10 on you maybe 15 guys victor oladipo is coming off the bench for this team and he's been playing very very well recently so like this is this is a team that it's going to be it's going to be hard to to stop that scoring because again even with uh even with the return of Embiid, it's not enough in my opinion um, because they're not looking good against Miami and Miami. And I don't think that they can uh, do enough at home because the Sixers, because sorry, Philadelphia fans are some of the worst fans just in every kind of sport. If you're not playing well, they'll turn on you and you need home court, you need some kind of home, home court advantage. And I don't know if they're gonna be able to get that. Um, and it's just kind of the continuous, uh, continuing theme of Philadelphia sports. You, you have a ton of hype and a ton of good things. Um, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to go, I'll go heat in five. I'll go agree with Mitch, um, but I can't, I can't say, I can't say that like um, that you have enough talent to win you a game because I look at the nets. They had enough talent to win at least one or two games like Kyrie and, and Katie are enough to win you at least a game or two. Um, and they still couldn't. So I don't know. I can't like, yeah, James Harden and Tobias Harris and Maxi good and i are good enough to win you a game um but i don't know if they can um that's part of it is can they continue uh continue against the onslaught from from the heat i don't i don't think they can so i'll I'll go five because i can't i can't go four um because there are good things there there are some deficiencies
0: in this heat team but i can't i can't go
2: i can't go four i'll go five
0: no um yeah I, i mean i'm gonna let's make it three for three gentlemen i'm gonna say heat and five on this one as well um The thing is, is like, is, is watching the current game and watching game one. I don't know. I know he would have had an an effect on, on the game, but I don't know if Joel Embiid would have had an effect on the outcome. It may have been closer games. Like this one may be closer here. Don't get me wrong, but.
2: you say he would have an effect on the game?
0: He would have, yeah, he'd have an effect on the game, but maybe not the outcome. Um I just don't know that the outcome would be different. I mean, Bam Adebayo finished fourth in defensive player of the year uh, voting, and that was that's fucking criminal that he finished fourth. Um, he's a fantastic big man. We've seen him go up against the likes of Giannis and against the likes of Joel Embiid, and he's, he's been able to handle him time and time again. Um, I, uh, James Harden is well past his prime. Danny Green is no longer the guy making the most amount of threes in a finals game. Um, Tyrese Maxey is a fantastic young player, but he's not at the level where where he can put the team on his back. And and there's just not enough. There's just not enough anything on the 76ers team. And especially compared to the Heat, a Heat team that that can pull guys like Max Stress out of their ass on the bench and him have a fantastic set of playoff games here, Uh, a Heat team who can take Victor Oladipo, who, guys, hasn't played basketball in two years and can come into this, these playoffs and be absolutely monstrous, be the guy that we used to see at Indiana. The fact that this is a Heat team that still has P.J. Tucker, who despite his age is still one of the best on-ball defenders and just best defenders in the NBA in general. The Heat are too dominant. Um, Doc Rivers is an overrated coach. The city of Philadelphia sucks. I'm saying Heat in five here. Um, so now let's talk about the series that I think we're watching the least um and that we care about the least which is boston as they take on milwaukee game one went to the bucks in boston 101 89 celtics couldn't seem to buy a shot well jalen brown and jason tatum couldn't seem to to buy a shot to save their life but they righted the ship pretty fucking quick in game two with a what was it like a 25 point win or something 26 point win something like that um 23 point win against the bucks 109 to 86 um so we got Five games left in this series, feasibly. It's a 1-1 series. Mitch, how do you see the rest of Buck celtics playing out, and what's your overall prediction?
1: Yeah, it's nice to know that we confirmed two NBA players to our podcast, uh, Jay Crowder and uh, Jalen Brown. So it's nice to know that, you know, we're getting those ratings up. Um, yeah, um, I think this is exactly the kind of series I thought it was going to be Um, You know, after that first game, we all said, you know, this isn't going to happen again. Um, I think I think the Celtics were still in playing against the Nets mode where, okay, we're just going to be physical with them and it's going to work because it worked against Kevin Durant and it's going to work against Giannis. And obviously that was not the answer uh, to solve against Giannis because he was just throwing guys out of the way and playing his game. Um, obviously they made the adjustment and we saw how game two went out. Um, but I'm going to be optimistic and go with our mantra and say Bucks and six. Um, it's very, it's tough these past two years to bet against the Bucks in the playoffs, just given what they're able to do. I mean, last series, Gerard DeRozan has that 40 point game. It's going back to Chicago. Everything's in their, you know, everything's in Chicago's hands and then we're able to off three games and you never hear from DeMar DeRozan again. And we saw that last year. We would lose game one or we're down 2-0 against the Suns and we're able to come back and win. So I wouldn't call it the Bucs out yet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with the seven, but I'm just being a little optimistic. And there's, like, there's good stuff to watch with the Bucs. I mean, in these playoffs so far, they've had the number one defense, number one in point differential. I like the game that Giannis showed in game one where – it wasn't just about points. He had 24, which is still nice, but the rebounds that he had, uh, the assists um, that he's shown through, the, he's getting everybody involved, like Grayson Allen, who has been shooting 57% from three uh, Bobby Porce has been averaging double doubles. Um, I like what they seen from it. And uh, another reason is like Scott and I, I think this is fair to say that Jason Tatum hasn't had a good series yet. You know, the first two games, it's like where is he um and it was nice that jalen brown was able to go off last night but jason tatum hasn't been able to um be that guy yet so it's kind of looking like the celtics beforehand beforehand, where it's like the flip-flop between games um so i think with that all said i'm gonna go with the bucks and six
2: i mean oh i'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you mitch because because jason tatum did have 29 points last night so um now, granted, ten of them came in the fourth quarter, but still twenty-nine points. Like he, they won. They 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 scored it combined almost sixty points. The two guys, Um Jalen Brown was just much more. And that's kind of I was teasing Brady. I messaged him in the group chat. I was like, "Is Jalen Brown having enough effect for you?" Because he had scored seventeen points in the first quarter, mm-hmm. um, twenty-five, in the first, half, 25 in, the in the first half, eight of nine from the five in the first half was he kind he petered out in the second half completely and totally own up to it but like he did what he had to do in that first half he'd be there wasn't scoring anywhere else jalen brown was feeling hot he mm-hmm. knew that he was doing it and he did exactly what you're supposed to do he got there an hour early got ready for the game got into it like that's what you need that's what your superstars are supposed to do they're supposed to step up when you need them uh jason tatum same kind of thing he's doing what you need him to do um i gotta i gotta i gotta give i gotta give props to grant williams for the 21 points fucking amazing um and it kind of shows the point of uh the hole in the boot like um and i agree with mitch i think game one uh celtics were much more physical they were they were we're going to go to the paint we're going to do what we did against the nets we're going to be physical that's not what you need to do on uh, the celtics thrive on jump shoot on jump shots mm-hmm. um uh mid-range jump shots uh to and that's and you know what that is the weakness of holzer's defense Budenholzer's defenses will defend the paint like nobody's fucking business they you if you're trying to score in the paint on a Budenholzer team you are going to lose which what we saw what happened with the Bucks or with not the Bucks with the Bulls um but the Celtics play on the perimeters they play in the middle that's where they want they want to have the jump shot you, when you have a 6-8 shooting forward or a, a yeah, small forward. Not like I can't. I can't believe a six eight is small forward. Um, like that's what you want. You want some guy that can that is doing amazing things. That he can be there when you have uh uh J- Jalen Brown as a as a shooting guard. You want him there. Um, and that was amazing. Like the Celtics went back to the mean. They were shooting forty seven percent from the field, but they shot over. Like there's still some con- some concerns for this team. I I won't lie. For the Bucks, um, I don't know what happened. Uh, they weren't shooting well. Um, they weren't scoring well. I think it kind of, this on defense, the Celtics were playing right into what they needed to do. You're seeing that Robert Williams is getting healthier because he is willing to body up against Giannis and against Portis and against some of these physical guys. And not just Portis, or not just Williams, but or not just Robert Williams, but Grant Williams too. Like there was a part where, <laughs> where Giannis was trying to back down Grant Williams and he couldn't. And it's like Grant Williams is a brick. Like you're going to have to work to back him down. And so it's they're beating like on defense. They're doing what the Bucks do best. They are not letting. They, in that second game, they did not let get them get easy points. In a, really anywhere, there were times where you saw that uh, Drew Holiday would shoot a three. But when he was shooting a three, Grant, uh, it, it, it could be Grant Williams. It could be Brandon Pritchard. It was whoever. Their hand is right in his face. Um, there were not easy points on either side in this game. But some things that concern me is that you have um uh, white in the game for 28 minutes, he doesn't score at all. Zero points on the scoreboard. Payne Pritchard, six points. Um, those are your two point guards. You need those guys um with Marcus Smart out. And we don't know how long Marcus Smart's gonna be out. He might be back game three, that'd be awesome, but you need somebody in that point guard position. We were we talked about it in the last episode that. Um, there aren't a lot of uh, ball handlers on the Celtics team. And so you need those ball handlers to do good. I loved what what White and Pritchard did in terms of assists. And I love what the Celtics continue to do. They are a passing team. And I loved there was one part where the ball – went from player to player at least eight or nine times before they shot with three seconds left on the shot clock and it went in because and again this is a team that trusts the players on the court they trust any of them to make the shot that when it matters Al Horford seems to have found the fountain of youth because the guy is playing amazingly he's a guy in a step that he we haven't seen since he wasn't in Boston the last time like there's there's something about this guy that he 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 thrives. It might be the chocolate milk commercials. I'm not sure, but he does great when he's in Boston. Um, I'm going to stick to my prediction. I'm going to go Celtics and six. Um, I I think that it's. I think that just like just like the Bucks stole a game from us in, in in Boston, I think we can steal a game from uh from I can we can steal a game or two from uh the Bucks in Milwaukee as well. I think that specifically with um with with us being able to be physical, Eam. Yuduka uh, is showing to be an amazing coach and amazing at being able to uh, shift these games, but I'm not, I, I think that the, the, the double digit leads and wins are kind of done in this series. I really hope they are at least because these are two very, very well-coached teams, two very, very good teams. Um, but we're seeing kind of, I think we're starting to see the lack of Chris Middleton because the fact that the Celtics can beat you by 23 without Marcus smart on the court is concerning if I'm a Bucs fan. Um, just like it's concerning for the Celtics that we lose by 20 some when Chris Middleton is not on the court. Um, you need like, like, but for, for us, it's like Marcus smart is our best defender, And the fact that we were able to hold you guys to under uh, 90 points. With, under 90. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Under 90 with, with Chris, without Marcus smart. I, I love that for us. I absolutely think that's amazing for us. And I hope that this, that trend continues, but I I for one know that playing in Milwaukee is a completely different beast.
0: Yeah, so first, I'm going to take a couple of shots. Um, It was nice in game two to see Brad Stevens stick around. Um, (laughs) I had to get that one out of the way. So no matter what, okay, at this point in the series, Milwaukee is winning. And it's solely because they've won a road game. Now we've got the two games in Milwaukee and Skyler, you hit it right on the head. If Boston can steal one of these games in Milwaukee series is it goes, the series doesn't, it's not back to even, it flips back into Boston's favor as the home team. There's no doubt about that, right? Here's what I love about this series. I think we could very easily see every other game, every single game in this series be won by one team by 20 or 25 points or more, but you have to do it. Three more times. This series is going to come down to defense. Game one, Milwaukee's defense was out of the park. All right. Skyler, you you said what Boston wants to do is they want to hit those two-point jump shots. They want to get to that three-point line. Milwaukee, game one, forces Boston to shoot 53s. Milwaukee dominates on the inside of the paint. and And the Celtics are just placed in a bad position the entire game. Game two, everything changes. Celtics shoot seven fewer threes, but they win the rebound mark. Al Horford, 11 rebounds compared to Giannis Antetokounmpo, nine. All right, so so the key to the Celtics winning this series isn't effectiveness on the outside. It simply isn't. The key to the Celtics winning the series is dominating on the inside. And and I won't even say dominating. It's not even dominating. It's going tit for tat with the Bucs on the inside. It's getting the offensive rebounds and it's fighting for defensive rebounds because those are second chance points. And when you win the rebound, when you fight the Bucs on those, that's where the Bucs kryptonite that terrible three-point defense allowing teams in the NBA to take the most three-point shots this last season that's where it hurts because if you watch it every time the ball is in the air bucks defenders crash down on the basket they're going for that rebound if Boston can grab that and pitch it back to the outside they're gonna have those open shots and that's where you saw Jalen Brown excel that's where you saw Grant Williams excel that's where you saw Jason Tatum excel all in game two I will agree with Mitch and this is where statistics in the NBA gets get really fucked up because Jason Tatum had as good a game as Jalen Brown did But Jason Tatum didn't have as much of an effect on the game until he rattled off those 10 points in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum didn't have as much of an effect on the game as Jalen Brown did. Even though statistically, they're looking right around the same. The guy who I'm going to give my fucking absolute date, a player of the game from is Grant Williams. Grant Williams had a ridiculous ridiculously fantastic game, and especially on the defensive side, him being significantly shorter than Giannis may just be the thing that wins Boston this series because Giannis and you saw it—he's trying to pitch elbows, he's trying to get up and around the guy, and when your head only comes to here on a dude, you're gonna be getting those calls. For the Bucks, um, it's it's still a very winnable series Um, for the Bucks. Game two. Brooke Lopez, and Wesley Matthews combined for four total field goal attempts. That's absolutely unacceptable. But even with that, you forced three different Boston players into significant or near fouling out trouble. Uh, Horford had five, Robert Williams had five, Derek White had five. If the Bucs can, can dominate on the rebound and they can get Boston to foul trouble, there's a chance going forward here for the Bucs. What I will say is that The Bucs have to get better when Giannis isn't on the court. Game one, the Bucs won when Giannis wasn't on the court. Game two, Boston did. Giannis would get out on the court. And even though he shot pedestrian in game two, you saw it. He was he was owning the rebounds. He was getting into the paint. He was dishing the assists. He was going for his shots. He was making a couple of free throws. And the Bucs would start to close the gap. And then Giannis would have to sit because we've talked about Buttonholzer's minute count, or Giannis would find himself in a foul and the Celtics would push back out. I'm not saying Giannis has to play the whole game, but the Bucks have to get better about playing when Giannis isn't out on on the court. I don't think Brooke Lopez is going to be held to two points on uh, uh, uh on 5 fouls again. Wesley Matthews, I could absolutely see it because Wesley Matthews is is fucking weird. Um this is this is a bit Go ahead.
2: Can you do me a quick thing? Just real yeah. quick. Sure. Can you tell me
0: what Jason Tatum's plus minus was in game 2? The issue with plus minus is that no, plus-minus. No, uh, the issue with you, plus, I'll tell you it in a second while I'm getting it pulled up here, but the issue with plus minus is very simple because plus minus is not an individual stat. Plus minus is a team stat. Jason Tatum's plus minus in game two was plus 21. Jalen Brown's was plus 16. Grant Williams was plus
2: 22. Okay. So
0: I love you, bud. I love you, bud. But what is but, plus minus plus is minus, minus is the score is, is, differential while you are on the court exactly which is a team sport it's not it's a team statistic it's not an individual statistic it is how the team works when you are on the court it's not an individual so so brady
2: so brady so so brady if we were going to you know quantify Mm -hmm. an effect on a game what your effect on the game is it would be when you're like it would be how well your team plays while you're on the court correct Okay, so so how so so I like okay uh, this case so how would you quantify? Let me let me let me ask how you this. How would you quantify? Me, no 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 no. Just I. No, okay. I'm gonna answer how your question. How would you quantify
0: an effect on the game? Let me ask quantify. you. Let, let me answer a question with a question here. Okay. okay. Game two. Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Who had the biggest effect on the game? Grant no, Williams. St- no statistic. Grant Williamson. Why? Yeah
2: because uh, he was able to defensively, he was able to continuously uh, go mani umano with uh, with Giannis um when he he was able to find the open spot and shoot from three and become enough of a threat to guard him and that led uh, players like Tatum and Brown to continue to also be open to score and do their and do what they needed to do.
0: Uh-huh. What statistic? Would quantify all of those effects. Would it be Giannis's shooting percentage against Grant Williams? Would it be the team's plus-minus when Grant Williams is guarding Giannis? Would it be the turnover number? Would it be your shooting percentage? Would it be what, what would it be when R- Grant R- when when as you're saying there Grant Williams whose greatest effect on the game first thing you said was his ability to go mano a mano with Giannis. What is the quantifiable statistic for that? <laughs>
2: it would be be, Brady. It'd be as plus minus.
0: No, it wouldn't because no, because plus minus is general. It's it's the minutes that you're on the court. It's not who Uh you're guarding while you're on the court, because, because as, as we talked about, we'll go back to, we'll go back to the Suns maps there. You said that that Luca isn't going to be able to to get onto the paint because he's going to have the best on ball defender in Chris Paul. And yet Luca torches him for 45. So how are you going to say that Chris Paul is the best on ball defender when Luca torches him for 45? It's not effect. No isn't quant effect. Isn't quantifiable. Your effect on the game is how does the game respond overall? How does the defense, when the ball isn't in the hand of the guy that you're guarding respond, how does the offense work when you're the one setting the pick and roll? It's not it, plus minus is a team stat. It's not quantifiable solely for any, for any player. It's not based off of any player. Okay.
2: Okay. But no. Okay. So, so, so let me put, let me put it like this. Okay. So, When Grant Williams, even, okay, so even if Grant Williams is not the man that is catching the ball, shooting the ball, and scoring the ball, Mm -hmm. but somebody else does in that moment, okay? Like, all of the points still happen. It's just not Grant Williams scoring. Mm -hmm. But his defense that he plays on Giannis, that Mm -hmm. turns into turnovers, that turns into missed shots, that turns into rebounds for the Celtics, and points on the other side, Mm -hmm. still results in a plus-22 plus minus would that not be quantifying his effect on the game while he's on the court?
0: No, <laughs> because plus, because plus, plus minus, plus minus can be plus minus does not account for the individual effort that occurs okay, so, during okay, the so if I went, sport. So if I go back, so, okay.
2: So if I go back and watch game two, mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And I count his plus minus while he is guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo. Would that be good enough for you?
0: No, because by your own admission, his, his greatest effect wasn't just on that. It was his ability to dish to the outside. It was his ability to... So if you're doing it solely off of how he's guarding Giannis, he's not always guarding Giannis. Giannis isn't always on the court at the same time he is. Effect is not a quantifiable statistic. Effect is a statistic... That is watched solely in the game, which is why you were able to answer my question so quickly about who had the biggest effect on the game.
2: Brady, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying, but I say that you saying that this person has the greatest effect on the game. And then therefore like that, they need that in order for the team to win, they need to have a bigger effect on the game. But if they're scoring 20, 20, they're going 26, 5, and 2 in a game, that, that's not enough for their team to win.
0: I never I never, never stated yes, that. You did. That's that yes, is never Brady, no no no, Brady, no. Yes. so no, so okay Brady, so a couple of things here. A couple of things here. First off you said you said that he had the, the highest plus minus he didn't. Second off my words were very simple the Celtics can win this series. The Celtics my vote is Celtics in seven that they're going to win this series but I'd like to see more of an effect from Jalen Brown on the game. And we saw it at the start of game two. And and you even hit it on the head when you, when you were talking about Jalen Brown as well, absolutely fantastic in the first half, eight of nine shooting, 25 points, dominant. rest of the game. He goes, uh, what three of nine, um, including one of five from the, uh, three point line, rest of the game, entire second half. Right. So great effect on the first half. Not a great effect on the second, but overall, it didn't impact the outcome of the game because effect isn't quantifiable. Jalen Brown, despite having such a terrible second half, still finished with a plus minus of 16. So 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 why, if he has such a bad, terrible, if he has such a terrible second half, such a good first half is the plus minus, not just a simple zero. Right, it's because not he's still quanti- on the
2: fucking court,
0: Brady. Because it's he not, scored twenty. 20- no, because Brady. Because plus minus scored- is not quantifiable. Because he scored twenty five points in the first half and five the rest of the game. Yeah, no. So what
2: I'm saying is, if you took his plus minus from the first half of the game, it would be like forty.
0: His, uh, his plus pretty- minus from the first half of the from the first half of the game would just be whatever the score was when he was out on the court. Because that's all plus minus is. If the game is zero Brady, zero no, Brady, and I, I go get, out on the court no, Brady, for five getting, minutes and we're up ten nothing, my plus I get minus is ten. What you're
2: saying, Brady? No, shut up. For five seconds, I get what you're saying. Okay, you are saying that, you know, I get it. The reason that it's not zero is because his effect on the game is still there. When a guy goes 25 points in the first half, eight from nine for shooting, Mm -hmm. five for five from three point fucking game from Mm -hmm. from the three point line. And he gets the ball in the second half. You're going to make sure your best perimeter guard is on him. Am I wrong?
0: Yeah, because if you go back and watch the game, the best perimeter guard wasn't on Jalen Brown in the second half.
2: But you're going to pay attention when the guy gets the fucking ball, right?
0: But the Bucks didn't. Like, and like that's why the, they
2: lost.
0: The different, no, because you just it's, said you just said it yourself, Skyler. You just said it yourself. He played a great first half and a terrible, a terrible second half, right? You said Bucks, Bucks went to focus on him and they didn't focus on him, right? So if 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 the Bucks lost because they didn't focus on him in the second half, why did he only put up five points in the second half? Why? Why did he shoot three? Why? Like the, that's that's where plus minus is not quantifiable for effect. It's simple. Plus minus is not quantifiable because please, I can go no, out no, on the no, court no, and no. do shit yes, all. I can go out on the court and do shit all for five minutes. But if my team happens to score ten points while I'm out on the court, my plus minus is ten. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Is that would that not make my plus minus no, plus ten? No, if I go not, out, if no, I go buddy, out and stand on wrong, the court. Exactly. If I go out and stand on the court and I do nothing, I stand in the corner and my team happens to rattle off a 10-0 run, my plus minus is plus 10. My plus... Quantifiable is not... No, no, no. We're not going to move because because you sat there and you you threw a big fucking hissy fit about me not letting you finish your point, so why don't you let me finish mine? Plus minus is not a quantifiable stat, and effect is not quantifiable. Effect is what you see when you are watching the game. And watching the game in the first half, Jalen Brown had a huge effect. Had a massive effect because he was efficient, because he was getting to his shots, because he was playing solid on ball defense. Second half, Bucks did not make an adjustment against Jalen Brown, same as they did not make an adjustment against Jason Tatum. And yet the Celtics still won and they won because they dominated the boards on the inside. They went tit for tat with the and because they found a way to dish to the outside. If the Celtics are going to win this series, as I predict that they do in seven, they're going to have to do those things for the Bucks to win this series. It's simple. You got to play better when Giannis isn't on the court. Giannis can't shoot, uh, can't miss uh, as often as he does. The Celtics are the first team to hold Giannis to consecutive games in which he's missed 15 or more field goals, and that's without Marcus Smart in game two. This is a very winnable series for the Celtics, but this series is going to go. It's going to be difficult one way or another. I fully expect it to go to seven. Any other points we'd like to make on the bucks celtics series? No.
1: No. Awesome. I would go ahead, Mitch. Um, no. the whole like plus minus thing I was looking at right now, Derek white had tied for the best plus minus. So better than Jason Tatum, better than Jalen Brown and just as good as Grant Williams. And I think we can all agree that Derek white didn't, didn't have a bigger effect than Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and just as much effect as Grant Williams. So that's all I have to say on it. Um, I think we should really answer, uh, was it Jamie's question? Since Jamie's question. The last... Absolutely. Yeah. We should get so, to that
0: question. So Jamie's question here. Very simple. Is there any one thing that the Lakers did wrong that doomed them? Or was it a collection of bad choices and tough breaks? Lakers win a championship in the bubble uh, and allow pretty much everybody to leave in the years coming. Alex Caruso gone. Contavious Caldwell Pope gone. You bring in uh, Rajon Rondo gone. Javale, M- JaVale McGee gone. DeMarcus Cousins gone. You bring in... Um, Guys like Russell Westbrook through a huge trade. You've still got Anthony Davis. You have one of the greatest in all times, LeBron James. And yet you don't even make the play-in tournament. So, Mitch, we'll start off with you there. Was there any one thing that the Lakers did wrong? Or was it a collection of bad choices and tough breaks?
1: Uh, No, it definitely wasn't one thing. And no, it was not uh, tough breaks. It was all like there's nothing accidentally like, Oh, there's nothing we could have done about that. Um, it's just from the top down. I mean, I think getting rid of Magic, Magic Johnson was a huge mistake. Rob Polinka hasn't been a good GM. Um, I think the choice of them to sacrifice the young talent that they had. I mean, we talk about it every time we talk about the NBA, like how well Brandon Ingram is doing in NOLA right now. Um, D'Angelo Russell has looked good at times in Brooklyn and Minnesota Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball are killing it with Chicago. Um, and I think they would love to have those kind of role players, and that's what they – that's what have been killing them for years. So I, I think the ownership has been a clusterfuck. Rob Polinka sucks as a GM. Um, and letting LeBron have controlled the franchise has hurt them. I mean, it came out uh, just recently that he chose uh, – Russell Westbrook after DeMar DeRozan desperately wanted to come there and play for them. And look how the seasons that they had. DeMar DeRozan was in the MVP conversation for a time while Russell Westbrook is killing his career in L.A. Um, it's just one bad decision after another. And unfortunately, there's no like easy way to solve it. I mean, Russell Westbrook's contract is basically untradeable unless they want to get John Wall. And I think John Wall would do a little bit better, but not enough to win for them to win a championship. Anthony Davis can't stay on the field. Um, and even when he is playing, he's not been the guy that we saw early in his career. Nola as um, like a top five, top 10 kind of guy. And I think even though LeBron did have an amazing uh, career stats wise, you know, the injuries are starting to get to him and he's not getting any younger. Um, so I think this is just, just been a clusterfuck on every single level
2: yeah um for me it's kind of it kind of goes into team building um and it goes uh just kind of it's a i found it's a very la thing to do where it's, it's they they trade they they trade away the ability to build for the future to build for the now So we've seen this isn't this the first time that they have done it. Like we, we've, we saw that the, the, the Lakers success that they had that built this franchise, um, that turned them into the greatest show on, on, on court is, is they drafted and developed Shaquille O'Neal. They drafted and, and made sure they didn't draft Shaquille O'Neal. Orlando. Sorry. Sorry. Um, sorry. You get, you get Shaq, but you get magic. Like you get magic. You get some of those guys. You drafted, develop them. And then you bring in Kareem. And then Kareem comes and helps you win those titles. Mm-hmm. Um, you get uh, Kobe. You get some of these other guys. Get them, draft them. Uh, get uh, savvy veterans. Then you bring in Shaq. Um, but then we saw when they were desperately trying to, in, in the later years of Kobe, they're trying they're trying to win another title. But like they, the last time they'd won a title before, it was Kobe and Metal World Peace and uh, Pau Gasol and some of these guys that, again, like we saw that Jerry Buss had done a great job of like, Finding talent, keeping talent. And when a star started throwing a hissy he fit, bye. Go away. See you later, Shaq. See you later, whoever. Like, let him leave. Magic, whoever it was. Um, and I look at I look at, and I said it in the last episode. You look at these guys that they they've passed on. Um 2016, uh, second overall pick, they take Brandon Ingram. He's gone now, doesn't play for the team. Who was there at three? Jalen Brown, who is having a wonderful career with the Celtics. 2017 um second overall who they pick Anzo ball who's not with the team anymore who who's picked right after him jason tatum wonderful probably like 24 one of the best young players in basketball is it in the mvp like is going to be in the mvp race for the next couple of years mm. 2018 um they don't pick till 24 uh or 25 who they pick mo wagner who is not with the team who gets picked two picks after that Robert Williams, who is one of the bet like by Boston. So it's not even just early picks, it's later picks. Um a good on like a good in-the-court defender. Like we go to uh 2019. Um uh they're desperately, desperately wanting to make sure that they get uh they get Zion. They get they get the pick at four. And who do they take? DeAndre Hunter, who guess what is not with a team, like shocker. He's uh uh, in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I believe he's in Atlanta. 2020 where do they pick they pick okay 2020 is a little late. but like you look at all of those other picks that you had before great players who are being picked right after you um and you're and you and then you trade away these young players because you're trying to get new you're trying to get old talent you're trying to get proven talent but this proven talent is no longer um it's no longer like a savvy veteran that you get for a nice deal or that you trade for, or that you do that. You trade like maybe a second round pick for you're now trading your first round picks to move up to, to get Ross to get um uh Anthony Davis, Anthony, to get, Anthony yeah. Davis trying to keep LeBron. You're letting your players run your team. Um, I don't know if magic would have fixed anything. Cause it was magic's idea to pick Lonzo. Um Like if I'm wrong in that, Um no, he know long... he drafted Lonzo. Yeah, yeah, so he drafted he Lonzo. Lonzo. And again, you had Tatum right there. Um, and Tatum, I think, is a much better player than Lonzo. And even when he was, picked, Lonzo, was picked, Lonzo was picked, Lonzo was picked because of his ability to facilitate. Um, so and like,
1: yeah, and his and his dad marketing them,
2: and his like well, we've all we've all said like, okay, if you're gonna pick between Lonzo and Lamelo, who do you want to have? Lamelo. Either Lamelo is the player that they actually wanted. We they answered. wanted. L- They won
1: in the now. He's good at steals. Like,
2: like, (laughs) (laughs) um, you're sacrificing the building of this team to try to win in the now, and it worked for you. That I still think that like you fired Luke Walton because he wasn't listening to LeBron, and so you bring in Frank Vogel who does listen to LeBron and wins you a championship. But like, we're seeing what's happening in Cleveland right now. They've invested in young players. They're getting. They've invested in savvy veterans to help build this team and. Fuck it. They almost made the playoffs. You heard. Yeah. They almost made the playoffs this year. Yeah. Um, they're, they're right there. They're getting closer and closer. And if it wasn't for the Collins Sexton injury, probably would have made the playoffs. If we look at the Bulls, they've done the same thing. If we look at all of these teams that are considered like the blue bloods, the talent, the, the old school teams of, of the NBA Pistons, um, Beastens, uh, Sixers, not Sexers, Sixers, um, Sixers, uh, Spurs, all of these guys. They've, yeah. they've, they've drafted, developed, and I mean, look, Celtics were there for a while. We were like, what are they going to do without Paul Pierce, without uh, Ray Allen, without um, these guys? Um, they drafted new guys, and they sold the farm to do it, and they, they got to the point where they're like, you know what, Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, thank you for your service. You did amazing work for us. And with that trade, with that trade, with the Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. it, changed the fran- it changed the franchise.
0: <laughs>
2: and and, and um, look where the Nets are. <laughs> like, yeah, Ben like, Simmons is finally
0: having back surgery. Um, so <laughs> I, I think I, for, for Jamie here, I think that it's both. It, I, I think that the answer is simple, both. I think it was one decision and it was also a collection of bad choices and tough breaks. But I don't think it's the decision people think it is. Um, I think that the, the the one bad decision the Lakers made wasn't even allowing Magic Johnson to leave. I think it was very simply trading for Anthony Davis. Now, you, listen, you've won a championship. There's no doubt about that. But Anthony Davis wasn't traded for. You didn't give the farm away to win one championship. You did it to win three or four. You did it to be the team in the West that the Warriors had been for so long. You did it to be the team in the West that we think that the Suns are going to be here. You did it to be the Showtime Lakers, to be the Matt, the Jordan Bulls, to be the Larry Celtics. That's why you did it. That's why any team does this. There is a simple formula to succeed in professional sports. And this is across all professional sports, believe it or not, the consistent way to succeed is, is a mixture of draft and development and free agency moves. It's simple. I know it's like, it's, it's like weird how easy it is. But if we look at if we look, I guarantee if we run down the list of every (laughs) professional sport champion for the last, I'd say five years, I could find most likely I could find one free agent move. They picked up that I'd say help them win a championship. And I could find one player they drafted. I could say help helped him let's do this
2: what's, what's 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 run this what's run this let stats? Me, what's run before
0: this? we do it let me just run through my other things I want to talk about with yeah, the go Lakers to really good. um Skyler I think you hit it on the head going through the draft picks but I think another point is guys let's take a look at all the Lakers cast since Anthony Davis has 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 joined Brandon Ingram has won most improved player of the year and almost single-handedly beat the one seed Suns uh, in in the playoffs without Zion Williamson, right? Lonzo Ball got hurt, but I think we'd all agree that if Lonzo Ball doesn't get hurt, that game that series against the Bulls probably goes to six, and those games are probably a lot more competitive. Alex Caruso, absolutely effective and dominant defensively, even with the Lakers and in the game against and in the game against the Bucks. And if he doesn't get hurt in Game Four and he doesn't miss Game Five, there's a chance that those games maybe the outcome isn't different, but the scores are very different. Julius Randle, most improved player of the year a couple of years ago, right? Um, absolutely fantastic basketball player. Lost his step this year with the Knicks, but who doesn't when you're with the Knicks, right? Uh, DeAndre Hunter, huge impact on the Hawks last year when they made their, uh, their uh, run to um, – or sorry, a huge impact with the Hawks this year. Like the list can go on and on and on and on and on here about these players that the Lakers have drafted and then have sent off into the rest of the NBA – in order to figure out their way in the world. And those guys are succeeding. There is not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that if this was a Lakers team, that was Lonzo ball or Anthony Caruso and LeBron and Julius Randall and Anthony Davis, that this is a Lakers team that definitely makes the playoffs. I don't know if they win a championship in the bubble. I, I don't know that for sure, but they are a more consistent team and they're a team that we don't sit here and worry about where did it all go wrong? Um, mm-hmm. Front office is terrible. Um, drafting is terrible because it's non-existent. Scouting is terrible because it's non-existent. Um, coaching Frank Vogel, we all said it when he got hired. He's, he was a placeholder coach. Frank Vogel was to LeBron uh, or was to the Lakers what Ty Lu unfortunately, was to the Cavs. When when he first got promoted, like he was a placeholder, he was LeBron as a coach. And this is who this is who happens to be the guy who's actually or who's supposedly making the decisions and calling the timeouts. I really hope I'm Bryce McGowan has Blatt. a better career than he does. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Ty, Ty Lou is still the best Nebraska player
0: to be in the NBA. So for the Lakers, the, the one bad decision, unfortunately for me, was the one that won you the championship, and it was picking up Anthony Davis. And and the issue with so many of these decisions and with sports is that hindsight is twenty twenty. In the moment that the Celtics made the trade with the Nets, a lot of people believed that the Nets paid too much. But the we got like we forget that the Nets were successful those couple of years with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And had they won a championship, we might sit here and say that the Nets had fleeced the Celtics out of out of this. Hindsight is always 2020 when it comes to when it comes to trades and acquisitions like this. You're never going to know. But that's where as a front office, you have to be committed to the drafting and development portion of your team.
2: Uh, mitch give me a random year in the last like just give me a, a random year in the last century
1: in The last century like oh, in the last we'll do... like the last
2: 22 years 22 like in since in, okay. the, in the 21st century give okay. me a random year so i can test brady on his knowledge
0: the only one i'm not super confident in is baseball and hockey but that's
2: I... why i brought i've brought up all three for all three major sports
1: fantastic let's go with uh 2007
2: Two, ooh 2007 okay the 2007. We're going to start with a hard one for you, Brady. Gotcha. Okay. The 2007 Boston Red Sox oh, baseball, swept baseball. the baseball. Okay. swept the Rockies 4-0 in okay. the 07. So, so give me a draft pick. Give me a draft pick that they developed and a free agent that they that they
0: signed. Okay. Let me um pull you up. Can look this one up. Yeah. I no, I just yeah. I gotta pull up rosters. Um. You're good. You're good. No baseball. David uh, Ortiz
1: count? Baseball is
0: my, Well, that's the thing is that I with baseball, I don't know who was drafted by who and who was drafted by a team and then got traded before they ever showed up on the team. Yeah. Um. Go. Okay. Okay. Give me anything besides baseball, please. Anything okay, well, okay, besides well, baseball. Okay. Two
2: thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So this 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 was the year two thousand seven. Giants beat the Patriots 17 to 14.
0: Great. I can do that. Okay. So um, what
2: a horrible year.
0: <laughs> okay. So um, technically speaking, I could cheat on one and say Eli Manning, but he, uh, cause he was drafted by the Chargers, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to say the, um, the draft or the, uh, the drafted player who helped uh, that team succeed was Jason Pierre Paul. Um, like people talk about Michael Strahan that year, but Jason Pierre-Paul was just as good. The same way as when the Giants won it four years later, OC Humanero was just as good with that Giants team um, as as Jason Pierre-Paul was at that point. Um, now I have to see free agents. I can figure it out. I can figure I it. I believe out. in
2: you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Because with football, you know what you're talking about.
0: I protect.
1: Okay. <sighs> Oh, Brady, do, uh, what about Plaxico?
0: Who was draft?
1: Who drafted Plaxico? That's what I'm trying to. He was uh, with the Steelers until 04 And then he signed with the giants in 05.
0: Yeah. I was just, I was just pulling up their, their free agency moves from that year. Yeah. So we'll go with Plaxico Burris wide receiver. Um, when he wasn't shooting himself in the leg, um, was catching the game winning touchdown in the super bowl. Um, and, and was good enough. And I'm, and I, somebody could look this up for me, but I'm fairly confident that Mario Manningham also wasn't drafted by the giants but I couldn't say that with, with anything resembling certainty.
2: Oh, for the 11 year. Oh God. Give me a second. Mario Manningham, Mario Manningham.
0: Was no, he drafted. was drafted by the Giants.
2: He was drafted by the Giants in 08. So you drafted the year after. Okay. So, so that will give you that, but I will accept Plaxico Burris and I will accept JPP. JPP. Okay. Um, now, 2007, San Antonio San Antonio Spurs sweep the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers 4-0 in the finals. A young a young LeBron James gets swept.
0: Mm-hmm. Um okay. So you really you really have
2: your pick for who they developed.
0: <laughs> no, I mean absolutely, like developed uh, uh, Manu Ginobili, developed Tim Duncan, developed uh, – develop I tony parker like <laughs> well now hold on because now because that i have to think about no they did draft tony park they did draft tony park okay so um two thousand and seven very simple man 2007 Ooh, it's too easy uh i'm gonna go with the uh with the point guard originally from Toronto, Damon Stoudemire. Um Only That's averaged funny. 17 minutes there, but as a point guard, um, uh, he shot 79% from the, from the uh, free throw line, um, 38% from the the field there, and oh, it doesn't give me three points. Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, uh, ooh, Brady,
2: Brady. Um, I don't see a Damon Stoudemire uh for the 2006 to 2007 san antonio spurs oh i'm on
0: 2007 2008 i'm so sorry i'm so sorry so sorry so sorry you're good You're
2: good. You're good. you're good you're good just making sure
1: because
0: because because i know who it is to, uh, i'm trying to th- i'm just trying to think of who it, like i have to look through statistics to see who was relevant that year um, I, I i know
2: i know who it is and it's the one it's the one that that if you don't say it i'll be a little upset with you who who are you thinking of Bruce Bowen. He was not originally drafted by the
0: San. Antonio oh no! Yeah, Spurs. you're you're right. I would also uh, no. Yeah, uh, Bruce Bowen. Uh, but I'd also go with uh, Brent Barry, originally drafted by the Clippers. Um, that year, yeah. he averaged uh, eight points, uh, da, 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 almost a steal, uh, two assists, uh, two rebounds. Shot eighty-eight percent from the free throw line, shot fifty-three percent from the field, and forty-five percent from the from the three point line.
2: The, the Basketball reason- is harder. Yeah, the only reason I sure. say Bruce Brown, okay, is Bruce Brown like played 35 minutes in each game, shot about 40% from the field, 45% from 3, um averaged uh, ooh, what's that, averaged 6 points, 4 rebounds and an assist a game, but he also averaged a steal a game and that year he was a first team all defense NBA. There we go. So that's right. that Give me, where I'm give, like, me
0: what, give me one in the last
2: 5 years last five years last five years. Okay, last five mitch, years. Mitch, mitch give me give me last five years mitch
1: last five years okay so last five years. this one i'm going to so try to do go with,
2: with without let's it. go so with uh 20, so 21 21 to, to 16 to 21 16 to 21.
1: let's go 2019
2: 2019 uh toronto raptors over that's golden too Warriors. easy
0: that one's that's way too, too easy that's too easy i mean i mean uh free agent or or off-season acquisition Kawhi leonard Um, Drafted guy, you could go with Fred VanVleet or Pascal Siakam.
2: Okay, okay. Uh, Give me a second. Give me a second.
0: 2019. Um, Kansas City Chiefs over the San Francisco 49ers. Great. Free agent pickup, uh, Tyron Matthew. uh, Absolutely (laughs) dominant that you're on the defensive side. Um, You could also go with um, Chris Jones. The defense yes. at the end is that who I'm taking up Jones. Chris um, Jones is, but then they draft him. No, who is the one that Chris... they traded for? Well, I'm tr- that's Jones. what I'm trying to
1: remember. Frank Chris Clark, Jones.
2: Right? Frank Clark is a good one. Chris Jones Excuse... was originally drafted. Oh, no, shit. no, Chris Jones was drafted by the Chiefs. Okay,
0: then I'm, I th- then I'm thinking of Frank Clark. Frank Clark, you are yeah. thinking, of, I'm thinking Frank of Frank Clark. Clark. Okay, was, so yeah,
2: who was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Yeah, so uh, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark. You could also go with Sammy Watkins, and uh, right there. Um, as well. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, drafted, I mean, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, um, uh, uh Patrick Mahomes, um, almost, uh, almost everybody on the offensive line that year. I,
2: um, I would, I would also, I also would have accepted, uh, no, Eric Fisher left the, the chiefs.
0: Yeah. He I, missed his super bowl that year. Yeah um who see let me see but even if like even if we look at let's just look at the champions across the board last year who won
2: the shot breland, rashad oh, no. he, breland. Was on, I
1: also, he was on the breland. rest roster.
2: rashad breland i would have also accepted he was not drafted by the chiefs but he he played for them that year
0: um there we go. So, so let's, let's just look at, let's just look at the last Daniel Sorensen. <laughs> um, let's look at the last couple of years, right? Dodgers win the world series and they do it with guys that they've drafted like Clayton Kershaw. And they do it with guys that they picked up through free agency. Um, like Mookie Betts was on the team that year, wasn't he?
2: Yes. When they won, Mookie. yeah, Betts when they won the world series, yeah. Mookie Betts,
0: signing. there we go. Like that's, that's a beautiful example there. We look at the Rams, right? You had guys that you traded for like, uh, like Matthew Stafford. I guess you signed up through free agency like Odell Beckham Jr. You picked up Von Miller. But I think the one guy that we could all sit there and be like the main reason the Rams won the Super Bowl or a huge reason for their success was a guy that you drafted out at Eastern Washington and Cooper Cup was the offensive line that you pretty much drafted Aaron in Donald. its entirety. Aaron Donald, like we take a look at... Uh, we take a look at well, basketball. You can, even look you, at their, had, you
1: can
2: even look at their off. You can even look at the offensive line. Andrew Whitworth was an amazing part yeah. of that offensive line. Like
0: originally like, with Cincinnati. Like yeah. Like the uh, you look at the Bucks right? Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two guys that you would credit most with winning the Bucks championship. Uh, uh, Giannis was drafted by them. Chris Middleton was not. Chris Middleton was originally drafted by the Pacers, I believe.
1: Pistons. Um, Pistons.
0: The Pistons. The Pistons. Um, Drew. Holliday, we trained for Drew
1: Holiday when it should.
0: Drew Holiday. Um, Brooke Lopez offseason acquisitions, but then a lot of yeah. those other role players, guys like Pat Connaughton, drafted by he the Tucker was we'll signed that year. Yeah, assigned that year. Uh Bobby Portis was assigned, you know. Um, so so throughout professional sports, having that mixture of veteran leadership and guys who they don't even need to have won a championship, but having that veteran leadership and the and the development, especially the development part of the draft and development process is the is the the surefire yeah. way. Is the surefire way to stay relevant and to be successful. It's not the surefire way to win championships anymore. It's, it's not. There's there's merits to either only focusing on the draft or focusing through free agency, but the surefire way to be a consistently competitive franchise to keep yourself in the running is that mixture of draft and development and, and offseason season acquisitions.
2: We can even look at some of the teams that lost, like the Bengals this last year. We can see like draft and developed a lot of their players, but some of their key defensive players that they, they were, were the ones that they signed. Trey Hendricks. Hendrickson was a huge signing for them. Jadobio Uzie, huge signing for them on, on that side. But you can look at Jamar Chase Joe Burrow, guys that they drafted. Logan um, Wilson. Yeah, Logan Wilson, guys that they drafted. Amazing players on that team. Um, we can even look at at the Bucks, a team that won, where you're like, okay, well, all of the guys that scored on that in that Super Bowl were guys that weren't on that team. But I can look at Antoine Winfield Jr. was an amazing addition from a draft. Mike debut. Evans, Chris Godwin. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin were all the entirety all of the
0: offensive line. Levante, Dave,
2: Levante, David, Levante exactly. David and, and Devin and Devin Bush and that linebacker, Devin spot, White. Those Devin White, goddamn. Who did I make him? Who do I mix him up with?
0: Well, you've said Devin, Bush, Devin like Bush four separate times now.
2: Is Devin Bush another player? Yeah, for the yeah, Steelers, Steelers.
0: They both play played linebacker. for Michigan, right? Uh, Devin White played for LSU. No, Devin, Devin White's LSU. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, he's part thank of that you.
1: Natty team.
2: Yeah. Devin Bush played for Michigan. Correct. Thank you. Okay. That's, that's where I get it. Um, but yeah, so like, those are kinds of things. And I'll, I'll say this too, from our, like our perspective as like, we're all small, small market guys. So we very, very heavily believe in draft and develop because that's a lot of like Nebraska's success, uh, was recruiting two and three star players and developing them into a, a team. Uh, Wisconsin success that we've seen Barry out Al- I will I will take this to my fucking grave and if you need Barry Alvarez took what worked in Nebraska brought it to Wisconsin and Wisconsin's doing it better like I'll give it to you. Gonna, you guys I'm are doing it better
0: you on that that's the first same thing you
2: said all night <laughs> no but like but like it is what you're doing you're getting in-state players from Wisconsin to stay in-state play for mm-hmm. Wisconsin developing them into wonderful offense like wonderful guys you're not seeing like like i'm sorry who are the players that get drafted to go play in the nfl from from wisconsin it's not the skill position players it's not wide receivers and quarterbacks um uh, maybe some running backs but it's tight ends offensive linemen uh, <laughs> uh defensive linemen linebackers those are the guys that get they get it's the it's the hog mollies it's the big uglies it's the guys up front those are the guys that are getting drafted tight ends that are getting drafted to uh play for uh uh, in the NFL, it's, it's very similar to what Nebraska did for years. Um, you can name very, very few skill position players that had a lot of success in the NFL that went to Nebraska. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head is Irving Fryer, um, who played for, uh, the Patriots in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, I think just take a look at or 80s, take a look 90s, at sorry. the
0: respective careers of, of like NFL careers of the two schools, various Heisman winners, Ron Dane and Alan Amici, um, Alan Amici had a, a really solid career back in the, the 50s with the Giants. Ron Dane could never get anything going. Um, and Sky, you're going to have to run me through Nebraska's Heisman um, winners again, but I don't believe any uh, of them had successful uh, Johnny Rogers, successful NFL Johnny Rogers
2: Mike Rozier, Eric Crouch.
0: None of those I guys had I don't think Eric Crouch one, ever started an NFL game. No, the, the,
2: only guy, the only guy that should have won the fucking Heisman and would have had a good career, Tommy, <laughs> fucking Tommy Frazier. That is... Nindamakonsu. You, you, i saw no. i saw a meme on that i saw a meme and it goes so you're telling yeah so you're, the, he had 24 pat-
0: tackles for loss and he had 20 sacks he had and- 20
2: tackles for loss 14 and a half sacks so he won the heisman right he, so won, he won the won heisman, heisman right
0: yeah no, absolutely <laughs> so uh we'll we'll get out of our uncle's corner here um and we will uh we'll wrap up our show we appreciate everybody for tuning in um, follow us on everything, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, uh, uh, Radio Now, Google Podcasts. Um, email us your guys' thoughts. We will talk about them. Um, hopefully – Five to six episodes later. Five to six episodes later. <laughs> um, we appreciate Jamie for doing that. I'll send you back an email just to let you know how appreciative we are. Um, of you. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back. We've got the NFL drafts that we have to break down here as we get into our individual team uh, free agent recaps and season look-aheads for the NFL. Baseball is heating up. We don't talk about hockey, but they're in the playoffs right now. Um uh, spring football is, uh, has actually already started in, in for, uh, like the spring game has already happened for most schools. Um, college football is right around the corner. NFL football, even though we just had the draft guys, it's right around, it's right around the corner. We haven't really talked about the U S Yeah, the NFL. international
1: games just got announced today.
0: The international games just got announced. You, the, yeah,
1: you talk about the, uh, the we have,
0: US USFL. <laughs> absolutely. We, uh, the NFL schedule release is in less than two weeks. Um, so there's there's quite a lot in the sports world that we're gonna be talking about. We appreciate everybody for tuning in and have a fantabulous night.